Okay, you ready? Let's do it, do it, do okay. it, do it. Hello, everybody. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Emperor Palpatine over there. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Or should I say Darth Sidious? Uh, Spoiler alert (gasps) for anyone who doesn't know. Two best of friends. Oh, wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think they know football? The Chiefs, or the Colt, or, wow, the Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking, just read. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force. As a clip came <laughs> very suddenly cried out, it was silent. The 2M Football Show starts now welcome to the latest episode of the two of football podcast with mike and matt we are back two weeks in a row and there there are only two weeks until the nfl playoffs begin so we've got a lot to talk about um before we get there hope everybody's having a happy holiday season um i myself have been off work which means even more work hanging out with the kids but it's all good and fun how about you matt I have enjoyed not being at the office. That's excellent. And I'm dreading going back tomorrow. Like, I don't want to. Oh, no, tomorrow's the day. All right, well, this is your last hurrah. <laughs> I'll raise raise my uh, cup of water to you. <laughs> I had something to drink, but it's gone now. Oh. oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, don't know where it went. <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, so then on today's show, we will discuss a little bit of week 16 highlights. And I have a surprise for you, Matt, some research I've been doing on the side for the past couple of weeks that I'm ready to present. Have you been bored? <laughs> uh, not exactly. I think I did. I started this one of the weeks that we skipped. So, yeah, I had a little extra time in my schedule <laughs> that we didn't record or have to edit. Uh, so you could say that. OK, I'm I excited. Had- I had to fill the 2M-shaped void in my heart somehow, so I did a little extra credit. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I will unveil that. Uh, We'll do our usual check-in on the playoff picture, talk about some clinching scenarios, uh, get into the Week 17 preview, and then, uh, once again, we'll just pop by really quick into the fantasy corner, as there's not too much to discuss as far as we're concerned at this point. Uh, so let's get into the week 16 recap with some headlines. And uh, this is something we were discussing over text um, yesterday, right? Monday. Yes, it's still only been one day since Christmas. Um, yeah. I don't even know anymore, but yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and I think I posed the question to you. Can an interim head coach actually, are they eligible to win the coach of the year award? Because I think, and I know you're with me on this from what we were texting, what Antonio Pierce has done since taking over uh, as the Raiders head coach has just been incredible. They are four and three since Josh McDaniels was fired. Uh, they were got off to a three and five start under him. And they've just played inspired football, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. where uh, Which they, was the side we mocked all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had a defense in a while. <laughs> yeah. Or they did, but it only consisted of Max Crosby. Now you've actually got other people contributing, and they're 
<laughs> playing incredible defense and looked no further than yesterday, Monday's game against the Chiefs uh, for a prime example of that. Uh, it was, I believe, the first time they'd beat them in, was it seven seasons or was it seven games in a row they had lost uh, to their division rival? And you could see. I have a feeling they do it by like meetups. So I think that would be games, right? Yeah, probably games. Yeah. And you could see how much it meant to um, Pierce in the post game interview. He was, you know, at a loss for words. He was tearing up and it was, it was moving to see him <laughs> have that reaction. And you've, we've seen the players as well be inspired by him and, it's just been awesome what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the results. Uh, the only thing that I think prevents him from getting coach of the year is the fact that he's interim. So he's mm-hmm. actually, well, it's coach of the year, right? But like. Maybe he could win assistant coach of the year. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. I mean, I don't, I feel like he needs to get something though. But I feel at this point, again, this is the Raiders organization we're talking about, but he has definitely made a case to be their head coach next year. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the Raiders would be foolish, absolutely foolish, to not give them a shot. The offense needs a lot of help, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, the defense outscored their offense uh, by at least a two-to-one margin in, in that victory over the Chiefs. But uh, still, I don't like you said, I don't think anyone can argue against uh, what he's done and, and how impressive it's been. And I I say this mostly knowing that Coach of the Year award is most likely going to Dan Campbell. But I just, like you said, this guy should win something for what he's done with the Raiders. It's (laughs) been impressive. And all of a sudden, they're on the cusp of uh, the wild card in the AFC, which I don't think I even included them in in the hunt last week. (laughs) So it shows what I know. Um, Right. Well, and I think they definitely made a case for them with the with the. I don't want to say beat down, but how else do you describe when they handed Mahomes and the Chiefs a loss on a silver platter? Like they were not, they're not playing games. This isn't a team that's kind of waltzing into the end of the season. Like we're going to get, you know, first round pick, all this type of stuff, or we're going to have a top 10 draft pick and kind of just mulling through it. Like right. they came to fight and fight they will to the end of the season. And these are teams that I've mentioned before that can just derail what looks like a postseason lock, and then they come in with nothing to lose, mm-hmm. and they hand a high a high um, probability team for a postseason run. You know that critical loss that shifts the balance of the whole bracket. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll keep monitoring them um, for the next couple of weeks. See what other noise they're able to make. The only other thing I have in the headlines is my my research. So let's get into that. Uh, Big storyline, as we all know, of this NFL season has been just the carnage at the quarterback position. Oh, my God. So I thought it would be fun to to take a bit of a deeper dive into that. And so if you you don't have to look at it if you don't want to. But I, I put in the notes the link to this spreadsheet I made of every team and all the starting quarterbacks they've had. Can't click on it. Oh, I can't click on it. Sorry. <laughs> Proceed. It's okay. So I, I broke it down by division and just looked. I'm not going to read off all the names because it's it would take a long time, which is kind of the point. There have been, if my math is correct, 60 different quarterbacks to start a game this season. 
And just doing a little bit of quick math there, that's an average almost two of nearly two starting quarterbacks per team. There are 13 teams, so a little bit under half the league, that have actually had just one starter for the season, which means over half the, the rest of the league is averaging closer to two and a half starters. There are four teams that have had three different starting quarterbacks. Those would be the Cardinals, who, if you recall, started the season with um, Clayton Toon, uh, Josh Dobbs, and now Kyler Murray. The Steelers, Pickett, Trubisky, now Mason Rudolph, the Raiders, Garoppolo, um, O'Connell, and Brian Hoyer started an ill-fated game. And the Giants as well with uh, Daniel Jones, Tommy DeVito, and uh, Tyrod Taylor. So those are all the teams that have had three different quarterbacks start a game. There are even three teams who have had four different starting quarterbacks. Those who are, are those, the, Mike? The Browns, Jets, and Vikings. And, uh, I mean, to really put this in perspective, I, I would have to look and generate the same spreadsheet based on a different season to just see how much worse it is by comparison. But even just I mean, it at, feels like it's at least in the news more. Either that we've just paid attention more. I mean, this is the fourth year we've been doing this podcast. And between that and playing fantasy, I feel like we play we pay pretty close attention. And it, it's just I've, I've never seen anything quite like this. So maybe for maybe in a follow up, I'll look uh, at a different season for comparison. But like a six, postseason extra special episode. Yeah. 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 Something like that. But. And this number, after hours. this number could still go up, by the way. There's still two weeks left of the season. But just that number, 60 different quarterbacks have started a game in the NFL this season. I feel like I've gone through just as many fantasy players on my roster. Well, we could check the acquisitions and, and find, get that exact number. It probably is close to that. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for now. I guess we can, yeah, maybe come back to that at a different time with more data, but I've been putting that spreadsheet together. A little bit proud of it, I'll admit. <laughs> that's No, that's awesome. Like it, Because it, we, we've mentioned it a few times, whether it was on the show or just in our, in our text messages, like mm-hmm. injuries seem just high this year in the quarterback position, and I think that math goes to confirm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll check back on that at a future date, potentially. Just wanted to bring it up. So let's get into a couple of games. Uh, Start with your playoff sleepers, both of whom, at least for you, are still in the hunt for the playoffs. How did your Steelers do? They they came from a shocking position with a huge win of Mason Rudolph under center. I honestly didn't know what to expect out of this game, especially against the Bengals, Jake Browning, who's actually been doing pretty, pretty good. Yeah, he uh, or he was, he had, he <laughs> had been until I feel like this weekend was interception weekend too. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but um, him and George Pickens, man, like Pickens put up, I think over 50 fantasy points, but he had two long touchdowns. One of, I could not believe 86 and 66 yards. So talk about one shot plays to, to make a statement Um, and a season high 34 points. Like that, that shows like the, the offense has potential, but I also want to make the, 
make the mark that there were Steeler fans calling for the head of Mike Tomlin to be fired. There were rumors about him, and now there's rumors of a contract extension. (laughs) So it's just hilarious how fast the tables will turn. The fickle nature of uh, NFL fandom, yeah. (laughs) I think the funniest part of sports are just the fan bases because this is exactly what happens. Three weeks ago, people are calling for the firing of Mike Tomlin. Three weeks from now, it's like they'll be hailed as he potentially, you know, (laughs) what if he goes with another – non-losing season it's like mm-hmm. yeah it just baffles me how fast the fan bases turn uh but the defense help side this is when we again we call complete football uh both sides of the ball helping out the Steelers so the defense came up with three interceptions and three sacks um and it's a divisional game right so now we're getting down to the cut and dry most of these games coming up are going to be some level of divisional games that really do set the stage for the postseason so mm-hmm. this doesn't bode well for the Bengals, who are own five in the division but they are eating two in other games so wild, if it yeah. comes down to tiebreakers this may be where the Bengals lose out but as long as they're not facing a divisional opponent they seem to be doing pretty well <laughs> right it's weird weird who was also doing well until the end was another divisional game, the Vikings at the Lions, a game that I was absolutely excited for and was not on in my region <laughs> until see, the I, end. I got I to see out. the end at like the heartbreak, which was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Mullins had had started to just completely ball out there, right, racking up the yards, but then I think he forgot that the Vikings wear purple and white uniforms, and um, uh-huh. he Easy sealed. Mistake. He yeah. sealed their fate with four picks, which turns out he would not be the last quarterback to throw four interceptions. <laughs> Ooh, foreshadowing. Um, but I want to tip my hat off to the Lions, who, as long as we've been alive, have never won the <laughs> NFC North. Yep. Um, so they are now the NFC North champions. It is the first time they've won the NFC North because the last time they won the division was so long ago it was the NFC Central <laughs> before the latest uh, reorganization. Oh, Which yes. happened right around the 90s, I think. 90, yep. 90, something like that. 89, 90. So. Something like that. I feel like I remember the Bucks being in our division. So maybe it was like 95 or something like that. But yeah, it point is, yes, been a long time. <laughs> We're old. Um, but they are not necessarily out yet. So um, they're seven and eight and still have a chance at a, uh, at a spot. So the, the games continue to be, to be close and it, it continues to be neck and neck. For the, I don't want to say less talented NFC, but I mean, the NFC is just so many questions in it. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to as the opposed left. to the AFC, you have your heavy hitters, and that's kind of who you've got. The NFC, everything's much more like one or two games away from just completely shifting the field. Yep. And we'll get to the playoff picture in a second. Uh, a couple more games here. We'll quickly talk about my last remaining playoff sleeper the broncos they hosted the patriots in what should have been a pretty easy game you would have thought based on how bad the the pats have been but the broncos defense kind of let them down here they've been playing so well lately that's been a big part of their turnaround after their one and five start or whatever it was um 
But I got to say, they kind of got shredded by Bailey Zappi. Uh, they they were their usual, like, mediocre-ish on offense, uh, the Broncos were. But Russell Wilson was sacked five times. The team lost two fumbles, one of which, especially costly, a kickoff return. Uh, so this happened right after the Patriots had scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, they were kicking it off. The Broncos rookie receiver Marvin Mims, their kick returner, he kind of muffed the uh, catch initially, picked it up only to fumble again when he was tackled and the Patriots returned it for a, a special teams touchdown. So two touchdowns in the span of, you know, 15 seconds or whatever for them. And that put them up 23-7 uh, late in the third quarter. The Broncos were able to tie it with three minutes left in the game, but uh, you can't give that kind of time to the star power of Bailey Zappi, who marched the Pats right down the field. Got them in range to kick the game-winning uh, field goal. 26-23 was the final. So pretty big blow to Denver's playoff hopes. They're now 7-8, and eight, along with a handful of teams in the hyper-competitive AFC. And, and they are definitely a long shot to make the playoffs at this point. And uh, that is my only sleeper. Uh, the other one is dead to me, so we will not be discussing them. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, am I missing something? Is nope. there a paragraph that's not here? You are missing nothing. So let's okay. talk about a couple other games that did matter, unlike uh, the Washington Commanders. The uh, I want to talk about Ravens 49ers a little bit, the Monday night game, highly anticipated between the leaders of each uh, conference. And uh, the headline here was Brock Purdy's four interceptions, as you alluded to a moment ago, that allowed the Ravens to really just take control and build an insurmountable lead by the mid-third quarter. Uh, and the main thing, uh, the only reason I want to bring that up is is because Purdy has played so well all season, and, and last year too, when he was forced to step in and take over. And I just, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just don't want us as a collective you know, fan base to just read too much into this one game and discredit everything he has accomplished so far. I don't think you got to worry about the fan bases. He gets most of the hate. It seems like from the, from the commentators and the, and the actual people who do like sports talk shows for a living, mm. like that's where I've noticed all the heat, especially because it's been questioned if he should even be in the MVP candidate. And then they're just going to use this as ammunition. How can you have an MVP candidate that goes and throws four picks in a game? It's like <clears throat> some of these MVP candidates have fumbled the ball. Like they've, they've talked about Lamar Jackson. He's fumbled the ball, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, you talk about Patrick Mahomes and it's like, how is he, I, I would argue, how is he even a consideration? Look at his completion percentages, his passing yards. The oh, Niners offense good. leads in so many categories. You got a good Patrick Mahomes stat comparison coming up later. Uh, but you know they argue that he's he's a he's a game manager and when you have powerhouse pieces on all sides of the ball that's exactly what you need is someone who can just manage the game make the plays when they count and everybody's going to have a bad game yeah exactly and i'm not even saying i think he should be the mvp i just don't think this one game should change the way we think about him that much so yeah absolutely not it was a bad game he's going to shrug it off I mean, look at the way he handled it during. He was frustrated, yeah. but he didn't go after anybody. He simply right. was like, deep breaths, we need to go out and execute. And he went out of the next play, and 
put it behind him and made an effort. And whether that effort resulted in a pick again or a big completion or a good yardage game, like they went out and he just, he played. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he didn't, right. He didn't lash out at teammates, didn't try to blame the refs, didn't cry in the post-game presser, unlike a certain other prima donna yeah perennial mvp candidate kind of by default uh and i think he deserves some credit for that and the interceptions themselves you could argue they were a little bit fluky two of them were crazy deflections that got tipped way up in the air where anyone could catch it and uh, the third one his arm got hit as he threw so you know four interceptions sounds bad on paper of course um but uh, i don't think it was as bad as the numbers look and yes i think he handled it very well so i want to give him credit for that um all that being said though the ravens look incredible (laughs) this game they did yeah they were firing on all cylinders i mean the defense played extremely well they read the they they read the quarterback well got involved and they just continued to to show why this team is never that far behind any type of postseason push talk yeah and and in terms of lamar jackson i think you could argue that's probably was his best game of the season a rare one where he did not turn the ball over and <laughs> making great throws running uh intelligently and, and effectively when he did pick his moments to scramble and uh just on all sides of the ball they looked uh, they looked really good here the ravens okay quick 30 seconds in packers parkway they beat the panthers barely oh my god this Wait, is a game that was so excruciating. So you should be thankful sometimes that you are not in the market I am to watch the Green Bay games because I think I need to be on blood pressure medication. <laughs> Everything was going fine. Like the game was going fine. And it's these last like two minute drills mm-hmm. that absolutely make you panic because for some odd reason, our genius of a defensive coordinator decides <laughs> let's play soft. Let's allow 20, 30 yard completions here on multiple passes. I think my message to you was thank God the Panthers burned their timeouts or they would have sent this game into overtime and yeah. I would not have felt good at all. <laughs> Cause they tried to clock it at the end and it was just, just before the ball was able to hit the ground, the time ran out. And I was like, wow. Thank God, because they would have <laughs> spiked it with one second to go and kicked, most likely, the tying the tying kick thing. and sent this in overtime. And we'd probably be having a very different conversation. And, well, I saw the stat that uh, the Packers actually blitzed in this game at a high percentage overall. But it's it's situational stuff, right? It's like, And that seemed to have been effective most of the game. But as you said, the key moments in the final two minutes of each half, they just revert to this shell zone you know playing super far off the receivers and allowing as you said completions underneath allegedly but those just turn into intermediate to long gains and i mean yeah this is the result it was the first time the panthers have scored 30 in a game all season and as i predicted sort of you know tongue-in-cheek joking last week but it kind of did come to pass that bryce young had his best game as a pro with 300 plus passing yards a pair of touchdowns and no turnovers at all just an embarrassment for joe barry and this whole defense i'm wondering if green bay isn't just toughing it out and they're going to get rid of him after the season yeah my understanding is his contract 
runs out at the end of the year. So their their thinking is just like, why fire him now? We'll just let it run out and quote unquote part ways. Because my buddy John and I had a conversation about it too of like, well, if we fire him, who steps in? Can you trust anybody on the defensive staff? To, to me, like, that doesn't even matter. To me, it's about sending a message that this is not acceptable. You know, that's kind of where I went with it. Is I I agree. Is Lafleur has made comments, but he's done nothing to kind of back up those comments. They're like hollow threats. Yeah. Like you agree that the decisions are not correct, but what are we doing about it? And just from the respect of the fandom, that message would be huge. But I also kind of see it from a business standpoint. If it's all going to be over at the season, you just don't renew it. Mm-hmm. Not to mention who coaches, who calls the defense in the meantime, because I feel once Joe Barry goes, there's going to be a lot of assistant coaches going too, because I wouldn't be able to trust anybody on that defensive staff. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a good point because anyone, if you do get rid of Barry, anyone you promote in turn, you're not going to hire someone externally for the final two games. So anyone you would promote to that position would have been working under Barry this whole time anyway. So nothing's going to change. And uh, yeah, maybe they're, secretly they would never say it out loud but maybe they're secretly hoping it'll be so bad it'll cost them a game or two and and increase the draft pick <laughs> but that will get fan, a defensive player it's fine it is still very frustrating to watch um and the players seem frustrated too Jair alexander who uh, was in his first game back from a long injury spell he's been out over the past month or more um didn't seem to play particularly well himself but he had some uh you know, thinly veiled comments about how they're not happy with the way the defense is being called. Anyway, way too long to spend talking about a seven and eight team that's probably going nowhere, but we were Packers fans at heart. We got to do it. <laughs> Let's take a second, take a couple minutes here, talk about the playoff picture with two weeks, two games to go of the regular season. Do, do, do. And we'll start in the AFC. And here, as you will notice in the notes, I've included each team's remaining opponents. Oh, is that what that is? I was trying to sit here and figure out what all that meant. Uh, So let's start in the AFC where the division leaders are the Ravens, uh, who are the number one seed at 12 and three. The Dolphins lead the AFC East with an 11 and four record. Then you've got the Chiefs atop the West at nine and six. And uh, with their loss to the Raven or the Raiders, they are officially... Um, the, the number one seed is not attainable for them, so they will be playing on Wild Card Weekend. Um, Nerds. <laughs> yeah, losers. <laughs> uh, and then the Jaguars are still just barely clinging to the the number one position in the AFC South at eight and seven. And uh, Trevor Lawrence banged up again for them, but uh, surprising as he has been the past at least like four weeks i feel like he's a concussion he barely came back from he had that brutal looking ankle injury that somehow he played the next week now he's got a shoulder issue so i mean i feel like the line has left him out to dry for some weird reason like he just looks not comfortable back in that pocket anymore yeah and, and the team as a whole is not comfortable <laughs> they're on a four-game losing streak but we'll get to that in a minute okay uh, right now the wild cards are the 10 and 5 browns uh, something I would not have thought possible after <laughs> one of the teams who has started four different quarterbacks this year, <laughs> their fourth one, Flacco, uh, lo- is looking like the best one they've had all season. <laughs> the And the Bills, finally, they've climbed their way out of the six and six hole they were in. They're nine and six now, and they are in the wild card as of today. I just want to point out real quick about that. 
there was a two point difference in that game. When I picked the Chargers, I did not expect it to be as close as it was. <laughs> they, yeah, they definitely covered the spread. I think the Bills were like ten point favorites or something. That was a bold call by you. It looked like they might win it outright for a while. Like, how did he call this one after the team? <laughs> I would have retired from football in general. No more fantasy, no more podcast, no more watching. I would have been like, how you will never, you can't top that. This is the peak of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would have been super mad. I didn't put any money on that because can you imagine what the return of that would have been? <laughs> it would have been one of those insane Instagram posts. If like you put five bucks on the game and you won $500,000. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. Could have both retired off of that, maybe. I'd give you, I'd give you a couple hundred bucks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Take what I can get. Uh, and then currently, the seven seed would be the eight and seven Colts. Uh, and then you've still got the Texans, Steelers, and Bengals are all eight and seven as well, but just lose out on tiebreakers. And then uh, Raiders and Broncos are seven and eight as well in the hunt. I mean, for the most part, I feel like it's the entire AFC is like <laughs> in the postseason. Actually, yeah. So you've got seven that are in right now. Five more brings it to 12. Uh, so, yeah, 12 out of the 16 teams in the AFC are still alive for a playoff spot. <laughs> That's crazy now that you bring that up. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to look at um, the remaining schedule for any of these teams and try to predict anything. I mean, the Browns have it pretty easy with the Jets this week and they close things out in Cincinnati. So I think the Browns are pretty much a lock at this point for that wild card spot. I agree. Um, I think the Colts have a challenge. Maybe they beat Houston, but Vegas, the way they've been playing, man, again, these the Vegas is just a team right now that can just absolutely wreck somebody's somebody's day. Yeah. Well, because they also so they Raiders play Indianapolis and then Denver and Denver has to beat the Chargers and the Raiders. If they lose either of those games, they're out. Yeah. Um, So the Colts, I think, have to fear the Raiders taking over that spot. Yeah, they definitely do. And uh, closing out the season with the Texans, assuming CJ Stroud is back for that final game. That's no picnic either. No, uh, the Bills win against New England. I feel like that's good. Although the Chargers game will run for their money, and Miami, I feel like is just firing again. Like Miami and the Ravens, I could see absolutely AFC Championship game right there. Oh yeah, the game this week. Yeah. Um. Or yeah, the AFC Championship preview game, if you will. Preview. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely could be. Um. I I have concerns for the Jaguars and Lawrence. Yes. Uh, with with like we mentioned them banged up Carolina playing Green Bay really tough um, and you know what could be a, a spoiler or a trap game against Tennessee again these are these are games right now that you should win they should beat Carolina they should beat Tennessee but any number of weird things can happen and this entire picture changes absolutely yeah especially in that division where the Jaguars are on top but they have the same exact record as the Colts and Texans. So any of those teams could come out on top of the division. And uh, the other two could be wild cards or miss out completely based on, like you said, the hundreds of scenarios that are out there. <laughs> I mean, did I send you, I sent you that one picture, right? Of like, 
Oh yeah, the might forty be. different possibilities for I don't know who it was that, that was could to make it. Team. Yeah, for the Browns or something. Um, and I'm like, this is this is what we don't do. <laughs> I looked at it for like one second, and my brain was already hurting. Uh, so uh, let's let's flip over to the NFC now, where the uh, things got a little bit more interesting here with the Niners and Cowboys both losing uh, last week, but the San Francisco are still in the driver's seat for the one seed at 11 and four. But the Lions and Eagles are also 11 and four. So even the top seed is up for grabs. And then you've got the Buccaneers or the other division. I was going to say, this is where you see the gym, the biggest gap. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's the one seed and then everyone else. Um, yeah. I mean, when you look at the schedules, the Eagles should win out against Arizona and the Giants. However, the Eagles yeah. offense has not looked reliable. A little bit better uh, this past week against the Giants. But, uh, yeah, we brought it up on the podcast last week where they hadn't even broke 20 points the three games before that. But Well, uh, even, even their start against the Giants did not look great. I mean, it was okay, but it's not the offense we're used to seeing. Granted, they're going through two different coordinators or two new coordinators this year. They just – Jalen Hurts hasn't looked comfortable in the pocket. That offensive line, which is one of the best in the league – is just not gelling right now. And now is the time where every game matters. But with that being said, let's make the assumption they went out. That puts them at 13 and four. Niners should beat Washington. I think LA is going to play them hard, which means this has a potential. But the biggest impact is the Lions and Dallas. That's going to set the stage for so much right now. (laughs) Yes, because uh, we had a – division leader change in the NFC East this past weekend with Dallas's loss and the Eagles win. The Eagles are back on top of that division now and uh, tough doesn't get much easier for Dallas this week besides the fact that they're back home, I guess, but still a tough game against the lions. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so speaking of the Cowboys, they are the five seed right now. They're in the wild card at 10 and five, along with the eight and seven Rams and Seahawks. And then in the hunt still, you've got a host of seven and eight teams. The Vikings, Falcons, Packers, and Saints are all seven and eight. And uh, it should be noted that it's similar to uh, what we were talking about in the AFC with the South, where the uh, Jaguars are tied with two other teams. Uh, You've got a similar situation here with the Buccaneers, who are eight and seven, but they're only one game ahead of the Falcons and Saints also in their division who are who are one game behind at seven and eight. So they're also missing a team from the NFC. Who the Bears? Yeah. I'm uh, not gonna put them on here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Bears. I'm just looking at team names. I'm like, hold on a second. They are technically alive for their playoff spot still, yes. They're like nowhere on the end. Did, did, did we cut them as a division? Do we come together and say they, they are no longer a team? <laughs> yeah, we should have cut the Lions like 30 years ago. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure. Bears are still in the hunt at, uh, I believe, six and nine. So they would, if they went out and get a lot of help, I guess it's still mathematically possible. That's what they'd have to do. They'd have to win out. Packers and Minnesota would have to lose their games. Uh, which is not possible because Packers play Minnesota next, so one of them has to win. Um, <laughs> well, what if they tie? That opens up a whole other can of worms. Oh no! Stop. <laughs> but I think I think everything 
I think this uh, one seed really does focus on the Lions at Dallas. If the Lions beat the Cowboys, the Cowboys fall another game behind in their division, but it also basically puts them out of reach of the one seed completely, as opposed to, you know, the Eagles losing, let's say for some reason, to Arizona. It's just this, this game centers everything because if Dallas loses, so if the Lions win, and the 49ers lose to the Rams. I wonder how that shakes out and who would get the one seed. So it's very possible we could see the Lions <laughs> take, not only take the division. They could be the top seed in the they NFC. They could be yeah. the top seed in the NFC. Yep. But if they lose to Dallas, I think I think that puts the Cowboys back in the driving seat of the NFC East. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting one is um, – so what do you think happens with the Buccaneers? So they play the Saints. So both their remaining games are in the division, home to the Saints, then at Carolina. Uh, whereas the Falcons are on a two-game road trip to end the season at Chicago, then at New Orleans. Uh, Saints, obviously, at Tampa Bay, then and then home to Atlanta. I feel like the Bucs have the easiest... I mean, depending on what you think about the Saints, I guess. Um, I think the Buccaneers. The Saints are serviceable. I think Derek Carr gets a lot of hate, but it's been fine. I think they've just been injury plagued, and they just haven't. They haven't gelled under everything. They've, you know, Carr's been banged up most of the season. I would argue with something or another. Michael Thomas is useless. Um, the run game's been okay and been there, but the offensive line hasn't been the world's greatest. Uh, their only serviceable person's been Taysom Hill, but you can only do so much with one player. Alave found out how to catch a football, so he's been a little bit more involved, but I think that offensive line needs help big time. Um, This is, again, where I would call Carolina the upset team, right? If for any reason Carolina beats the Bucks here, New Orleans takes it. Yeah. Yep. It's true. So that is the that is absolutely the trap game for the Bucks. And they have to beat New Orleans. So the Bucks have to kind of win out. Because if they beat New Orleans but lose to Carolina and the Saints win out, Saints are going to take the division. Yeah, and I do think that they they have the clearer paths because I think the Falcons have the toughest schedule out of the three at Chicago. The Bears have been I, I left them off the list, but they have been playing better, especially. They've on looked a lot more comfortable, but yeah, the Falcons at, are finally Arthur Smith's finally like learning to use his starting pieces. Well, he went back to Henneke, which I think has helped the offense as a whole. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh. It's pretty interesting here. I, what, the Seahawks have a tough game this week, which we'll get into the Week 17 preview in just a second here. But Seahawks have a tough game this week at Pittsburgh, who will all of a sudden found an offense? Question mark. <laughs> Can it, I would say yes if they do it back to back. Yeah. And I'm not even talking like 300 yard games. I'm just talking they put up like 24 points, a solid effort, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Give the make it hard on the Seahawks. Just don't give the game away. Yeah. So I guess that's about it for the playoff picture for now. Oh, what about the Packers? We didn't talk about the Packers at Minnesota winnable home to Chicago should win. So let's say they get to nine and eight. 
I mean, I would argue then they would probably take over where the Seahawks are for the wild card. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, we don't have to get too into the weeds. I feel like um, in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that scene where Charlie's in, working in the mail room and he's just got like a poster board full of pins and strings <laughs> between different, yeah, all these different scenarios. But uh, yeah, they could, because I, I see the Seahawks losing to Pittsburgh, probably beating Arizona. Rams probably beat the Giants, but maybe lose to San Francisco. And if the Packers do win out, they would take one of those spots. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into I mean, it'll be a lot clearer a week from now, right? When there's only one game to go and the scenarios are cut in, you know, half at least or a quarter. Oh, ye of little mind. It probably gets more complicated. <laughs> Especially because it's like they, it looked like they were drawing connections. Like, but if, but if Miami wins over here, and like, what does Miami got to do with this? <laughs> yeah, and then you get into all the weird uh, tiebreaker scenarios. If teams have the same record, it's just a mess. But we'll get there. We'll check back in on this all next week. Um, but so for now, we'll take a quick break. Come back with the Week 17 preview. And we're back. Uh, Mike and Matt with the Week 17 preview um, presented. Uh, sorry, Matt, the Mike's Watchability Index is back. I know we had our fun last week, but uh, couldn't handle not having the controls, so I, I went ahead and did it. <laughs> oh, my God, you're a... But feel, feel free to voice your dissent. <laughs> Let me scroll a little bit while you're rambling about whatever it is you're talking about, because now I don't care. <laughs> okay, top of the list is uh, Dolphins at Ravens. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. One and two seeds in the AFC as it currently stands going head-to-head. Uh, I believe this is true. The Dolphins got their first victory of the season against a team above 500. Uh, last yeah, year. that was a big stain on their record for yeah, a while. There's, yeah. there, are, there are four losses coming against teams above 500, so the, the question became is can they win? And uh, they did in a close one, nail-biter, last-second uh, game-winning field goal over the Cowboys. Uh, and that was at home, so now they get a much tougher test on the road at Baltimore, um, who, yeah, really flexed their muscle, asserting dominance against the NFC's best team last week in San Francisco. And I feel like the Ravens are playing two very similar teams here back-to-back because the Dolphins have more speed but they have those same key like three people on offense that the defense has to watch out for, which is very similar to San Francisco. Yeah. You know, outside point. of Ayuk, Samuel and McCaffrey, you know, Purdy is managing the game and doing well at that one. So it's very similar here that the Ravens have to watch out for two or three people, lock them down and just let the offense do what they do best. Yeah, hopefully their Raven safety, uh, Kyle Hamilton, who went down injured in that game last week. I don't know how serious that is, but um, that'll be a big help in containing or whatever whatever you can do to contain Tyreek Hill at least a little bit. Uh, they'll need to be healthy to do that and healthy safeties um, prevent him from just absolutely wrecking their defense. I'm going to go with the home team, the Ravens here. Um, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I like it. Should be fun. Could be some fireworks uh, offensively. I feel like this is this is what maybe the Niners game was supposed to be. 
Yeah, yeah, because that was definitely top of our list last time and didn't quite live up to it. But I would argue that if if the Ravens come out and manhandle the Dolphins like they did the Niners, the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. Like I don't like two of the top most potent offenses in the NFC, mm-hmm. and they just completely shut them down. I mean, that would be a very strong uh, statement to make. AFC, I'm sorry, an yeah. AFC and an NFC. My bad. It's okay. I wasn't listening. So good job catching yourself. <laughs> feel before 10 people hear me be stupid those would be the first 10 so don't want to ruin your perfect record (laughs) (laughs) lions and cowboys i've got next uh we were already talking a lot or a bit about this game both teams are still in the mix for the top seed in the nfc uh cowboys have lost two in a row a couple of tough games on the road at buffalo and miami uh so now they're back at home to welcome in jared goff and the lions this is going to be a fun one. I'm going to take the Cowboys. I know I did this last week and got burned, but I'm going to pick them again, uh, once again, with the logic of them. Fool. Back. You're a fool. Fool me once, shame on me, on you. Fool me twice. Uh, You're just an idiot. <laughs> I can't bet against the Lions. The Lions are hot. They're going in. They, they, they did business. They fought a tough game against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And... I think this is this is the game that I think determines whether a the Cowboys continue the wild card holding on to a wild card spot and if Detroit wins you could look at a new number 1 seed potentially in the NFC. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, the Cowboys defense has been shaky and they're going to have their hands full again with the Ross St. Brown and then Jameer Gibbs who's really coming along the rookie running back. And now we disagree. Okay. We're, okay. Well, how about how about you say what you would have put here, number three? I've got Steelers at Seahawks, but how about so you? So with the implications on the line of what stands here, I'm going to put the Saints and the Bucks here. Mm, okay. Because this is going to be determining the fate of that division and how the projections occur with what we just talked about, the postseason shakeout. Um, the Bucks need to, to pretty much – went out um but they definitely need atlanta to lose yeah but if the bucks lose to the saints now it completely shakes that entire division up to where the saints could potentially come in and take that division uh because the bucks need a win and atlanta needs to lose this let's just make the assumption like we feel atlanta is going to lose right mm-hmm. the bucks lose here atlanta loses the saints take the division so this game yeah. pretty much determines that division all right all right, I like it. You I'm not saying it's going to be a firework game, right? Like the like our top one or even our second one, right? But the implications on this game are so critical to the way that shakes out for playoff spots. Right, and, and that makes for good viewing. Uh, the, the the tension will be there. It's a like yeah, huge game for both these teams. Um, so I like it. I like the reasoning there. Um, I didn't, I just wanted to point out in my notes here that Baker Mayfield has been playing incredible football lately. Uh, eight touchdowns, no interceptions over the past three games. And actually, if you look at the season stats, he compares very favorably to one Patrick Mahomes who we were discussing earlier. Just looking at the numbers here, Baker has 3,600 passing yards, 26 touchdowns to just eight interceptions. I also want to point out that his yards would be up more. or He's he's got less interceptions because his receivers actually catch the ball. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Mahomes, uh, 3,900 yards, uh, 26 touchdowns, the exact same, 14 picks, but at least three of those were off the hands of Kadarius Tony alone. So <laughs> can't count that. If, if I'm going to say you can't count Purdy's against him necessarily, you definitely can't count those against Mahomes. <laughs> no, I feel like there's at least five or six total interceptions that were just completely players not being able to catch the football. Which I feel like each team has like three or four each year, but the Saint or the 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 Chiefs drop percentage is like twelve point four percent, which is outrageous for the league. They should really account for that somehow, so it doesn't look bad on the quarterbacks. You know how in baseball, there's um no, <laughs> there's errors, right? If they hit a soft ground at a shortstop and he completely blows it, it's an error on him, and that if that guy were to score, it doesn't count against the pitcher. As far as an earned run, they should have something like that so that it doesn't count as an interception if it was literally in and out of the hands of a receiver. Like that, that is not. Or it clearly touched the receiver's hands and it got deflected up because the receiver forgot how to catch. Right. Like it has to be deemed completely catchable, right? It can't be high, it can't be low. It's got to be within a certain box. Yeah. And if it's off both of his hands, I feel like that's a pretty safe. Um, marker that he should have caught that and then there should be a new stat that counts that against the receiver instead i don't know someone uh from nfl stats and information uh hopefully if you're listening look, look into that because it's not if they're right. listening and they didn't get us a job yet they can go die that's true after that all these spreadsheets i've put together over the years come on <laughs> it's like if uh, yeah. you did this for your job you'd make more money it's almost like I spend more time on this than I do the day job. <laughs> <laughs> almost, I said, keyword. <laughs> All right. I'm taking the Bucks at home to win this game and, and take control of the division. Um, screw it. I'm going to go with the Saints. Feeling I'm spicy. Good. I knew you would. You said people have been hating on Derek Carr. I'm one of them. I hate that guy so much. Only because Chris Olave <laughs> was on your fantasy team, and you traded Carr away to me, who wound up doing solid the rest of the season. Yep. I didn't say it was good reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> do not like that guy. All right. Let's uh, jump back up then to what I had ranked next was the Steelers at Seahawks. Both eight Still and seven. Still disagree, teams. but that's fine. Okay, well, you can go next then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these teams uh, don't directly impact each other, but uh, it's a huge game for both of them. Who are uh, The Seahawks are the seven seed right now in the NFC, where a loss would likely move take them out of the playoffs entirely, and the Steelers, I think, are on the bubble. They are uh, in the mix, need to keep winning games to uh, stay alive in the hunt. And I'm excited to see the on-field product here beyond just the implications for the playoffs. Because as we already talked about, yeah, the Steelers offense for the first time in like a year and a half looked really good with uh, with Mason Rudolph at the helm. All those huge plays of George Pickens, uh, the, the whole offense just came alive in a way we haven't seen for them in a long time. So, yeah, now the question, was that a blip in the radar? Because we've seen Mason Rudolph play quarterback before and it has not looked good. So was that a <laughs> Bengals being bad thing or is that a... At age 28, he's finally figured out how to play the position thing. <laughs> Tune in this week to find out. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, as for the Seahawks, a rather unconvincing win over the Titans that required a comeback at the last second. Uh, so I'm taking the Steelers. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with it. The Steelers, the Steelers are looking much more complete and complimentary. Um, apparently, the the Tomlin haters have cooled a little bit, but it is <laughs> a big game. If they, if they lose, they'll be back. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Come out of the word work, then they'll be twice as powerful. <laughs> Every loss fuels their rage. <laughs> and they say Philly fans are bad. <laughs> Philly fans are just violent. Same state. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm looking for the Seahawks to bounce back here and keep their playoff hopes alive. I think they, the Seahawks have struggled as as in the past, but I, I'm a Geno Smith fan. I believe that he's he's got what it takes to, to lend this team its, its needs. Um, they beat the Titans in a comeback effort. And they were from behind. So I think if they can get out ahead of the Steelers, they'll be in a much better position. So I'm going to go with the Steelers. All right. And then uh, what game would you have next? Uh, I agree with the Packers and Vikings here. Hmm. This one, yeah, given given the matchups, uh, the only one maybe. But see, my reasons aren't because of watchability, right? Like this is watchability here. But yeah, yeah Vikings true. and Packers. Um <clears throat> I mean, this is as postseason as postseason as you can get for these two teams, right? Because it's it's almost like win and move on and lose and go home. Yeah. Um, but the Vikings, man, are reeling from major injuries at the worst possible time, right? So not only are they been dealing with quarterback woes, but now T.J. Hawkinson, I just saw today, um, is down, and Jordan Addison's down. Right. I don't know uh, if you that, knew about Hawkinson. Uh, yeah, you sent that to me earlier, um, and I put it in the notes, so thank you. But uh, And not to mention, the, the Vikings are one of those teams on their fourth starting quarterback of the year. Um, the Packers, for their part, I think the offense is ascending, which is great to see. Aaron Jones is back healthy at running back. A possible Christian Watson return from that hamstring injury, but... Um, even without him, the past few games have been okay. And, and over the past six, if you look at Jordan Love's stats, he has a 13 to one touchdown interception ratio, and the team has scored at least 20 points in all of those games. Uh, the, the Vikings, even with all the quarterback issues, they've got Justin Jefferson back, and that guy is a force all on his own. Um, so I like how that, I happened to tune in because the Packer game had ended right at the moment of like the third that, and 27. Or something. Yeah, yeah, almost converted it. It was like yeah. a fourth and like a half a yard. Um, yeah. So I, I think even with some of those injuries out, they, they've still got still got Jefferson and other guys like KJ Osborne was contributing last week. And Mullins, uh, even losing those guys mid game, had even though he had four picks, I think he had over 400 passing yards too. So it's uh, get a little bit of everything with him. And hard to know what to expect from this Packers defense, but I'm going to pick them out of pure homerism. Yeah. (laughs) Green and gold for life. (laughs) All right. What do you think about uh, Raiders at Colts I had next? Yes. This is another one where it's uh, these teams directly impact each other's uh, playoff destiny because, um, yeah, Colts are the seventh seed right now. Raiders, one of the many teams in the mix at seven and eight. Uh, and, and the Colts are coming off a loss to Atlanta, a very uh, brutal loss. I think it was 10 to 
29 or something like that, really struggled to move the ball on offense without their top receiver, Michael Pittman, who missed with a concussion. Uh, it seemed like he was going to be back. The only reason I have this much insight is because he's on my fantasy team, and I didn't know whether to start him or not. Practicing all week, but then the concussion symptoms showed up again uh, late in the week, so he was ruled out for the game. So uh, not uh, you know beyond the football reasons, they'll hope he's out there. It's a, These are scary injuries, so hopefully he doesn't have recurring symptoms. Um, without him, they had a really hard time moving the ball. So uh, for the Raiders part, they're on a two-game win streak, starting with that 63-point beatdown of the Chargers a couple weeks ago, and then, yeah, playing great defense, holding Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to just 14 while scoring 14 themselves with the defense uh, to get that win. I'm going to take the Raiders to extend their win streak to three. Yeah, I, this team has a renewed sense of heart. You can see it in the emotion of Antonio Pierce at the end of – the end of last week's game against the Chiefs. This this team is just playing much better football. I will have to say though, they will have to complete more than like one pass. One, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Didn't uh, O'Connell was over? They did not complete time. like a pass for the remaining three quarters. Yeah, he yeah, his last like 12 throws were incomplete. <laughs> Crazy. But the yeah. ground game worked, and so I have to give them credit for making it work and sticking even, with it. Even without Josh Jacobs, right? Jacobs missed that game. It was uh, Zamir White running the ball, and and yeah, everyone in the world knew they were going to run it, and it, they still ripped off a few chunk plays to ice that game out. So it was impressive. And I think the Colts, this is do or die for the Colts. The Colts win. They have you know a two-game positivity to their record, right? They'll be 9-7. and seven. Um, the Raiders, however, would be at 500 in a in a very tense division. So I'm backing the Raiders on this one. I like it. We are in agreement. Uh, what game's next for you? Oh, I like how this is the game it's become now. Um. All right. This is again implication. Chargers and Broncos. Uh, the Chargers have been mathematically, I believe, eliminated. However, they could upset the uh, the Denver Broncos' hopes for continuing a uh, in-the-hunt push here. Uh, because then the Broncos would go on to face the Raiders, who would be coming off, in theory, right? We chose them to win. Right, right in, this, so, in this world, in this multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it really then becomes a do or die for Denver, and you know the Chargers have the talent, um, but more or less this is can Denver can Denver continue to eke ahead and separate themselves from the Raiders so that that Week 17 game can become a rest game, right? An inconsequential game where they could rest their starters to 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 make it to the wild card position, but yeah, I think. Uh, I want the Chargers to upset this one. I really just like to see a whole wrench thrown in everything and completely throw this entire thing sideways. Yeah, I mean, with the loss, the Broncos would probably be eliminated from the playoffs based on other, you know, how other games go, especially if the Raiders win, like we said. And the Chargers have not, they played well last week, but they haven't gotten a win yet since firing um, Brandon Staley. So, I mean, I guess that, that proves it's not always true. <laughs> 
Well, it's not, maybe it's not always immediately, but, uh, you know, maybe that comes to fruition in this game. We can't bend our own rules like that. That's not right. <laughs> in any case, I, I guess I'll take the Broncos just because, uh, you know, I'm not going to put my ch- chips in on a guy named Easton Stick. Sorry. And if they had beaten the Bills last week, you'd be singing a different song right now. I would be, but they did not, so I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right, I got Bengals at Chiefs next. Unfortunately, no Joe Burrow, of course, out for the year. This has been a really great rivalry the past couple seasons between Burrow and Mahomes. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, Browning has been filling in admirably for the most part. They didn't. So one big thing uh, in the Steelers game last week, he didn't have Jamar Chase. He missed the game with an injury. But I believe it wasn't expected to be long term. So if he comes back, that'll be a huge boost for them um, on offense. However, the defense has been terrible. They've had a couple of key defensive line injuries that are done for the season. And as a big game for the Chiefs, needing a bounce back after that, after what happened to them uh, with the Raiders. So I'm picking Kansas City. Just because I want to see Kansas City cry again. Come on, Cincinnati. I would love it. But I can't I can't predict it. I'm going to do it. I love it. Good job. You're braver than me. Uh, what's next? I think I like the order. You've got lined up now. Okay, Rams. I feel like that's fair. I feel like that's a good, uh, good place. Okay, then Rams eight and seven at five and ten Giants. Uh, their season is over in terms of playoff aspirations. Uh, but more importantly than that, is the legend of Tommy DeVito over? He was benched in the middle of their game against the Eagles. Uh, Tyrod Taylor came in and looked a bit better, almost led them to a comeback. And uh, there's there's really nothing else to play for this year for them. They have. Uh, Daniel Jones, fresh off a contract extension, uh, waiting to come back from injury next year. So it's not as if they're trying out DeVito for uh, any future starting job. And I think the Giants will look a lot different this next year. I mean, Jones has been out. Barkley's been in and out. Like, there's just been injuries all over. I still can tell you who the number one receiver on that team is. (laughs) No. Um, I think the offensive line needs a bit of help and the defense defense was playing actually halfway decent um especially against an offense that sh- should be as potent as Phillies they they did an admirable job so i feel like they can just tighten that up just a little bit more and they'll be fine so i think next year is really going to be what that giants team was similar to last year right where they were kind of the surprise team in the east right yeah but uh, I mean, I have to stick with the Rams. I yeah. mean, look at how hot they are right now. <laughs> yeah, five and one in the last six games, and that one loss uh, was to the Ravens in overtime, where they almost pulled the upset there. So absolutely taking the Rams. Uh, Patriots at Bills. I've got next. Uh, this is one of those scenarios you laid out where the the Patriots have a chance to play spoiler uh, against their division rivals, where the Bills uh, probably need to win out or at least keep get piling up the wins to remain in the playoff picture. Uh, and the Patriots are coming off a rare victory. Bailey Zappi was looking good, but uh, I can't, I can't pick against the bills right now. Yeah, no bills all the way. 49ers at commanders. Uh, this is a good, this would be a fun this, one to watch. This um, is just one where you take out all your aggravation from the last game and you yeah. just blow the commanders out of the freaking water. 
That is uh, what I expect here. Yep, 49ers. <laughs> Cardinals at Eagles, only this high because it's a revenge game for former Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and uh, in terms of the Eagles, they're back in the driver's seat in their division, the NFC East. And as we talked about before, they still have a shot at the number one seed in the NFC. So a lot to play for from their perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, you can imagine the kind of welcoming uh, Gannon's going to get in Philly. <laughs> Taking I it. think it'll be mixed. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I know Philly's fans are tough on their people and they're always filled with hatred and resentment. But like, yeah. Gannon was great for them that. when they made their when they made their Super Bowl run. Like they they've did, yeah. done fine. That's true. That's true. Um, Eagles will win the game, though, I, I think. Oh, come on now. It's the Cardinals. You know I have this weird hatred for the Cardinals. <laughs> and it started uh, ever since you picked them that one year. Uh, you were absolutely right. <laughs> I will never pick them again. <laughs> Eagles all the way. <laughs> uh, Titans at Texans I've got next. Uh, Titans, or I mean, the Texans have still been treading water, even without uh, C.J. Stroud, who's missed the past couple games of the concussion. If he can come back, I think they will have a strong uh, push uh, for making it into the playoffs. If Kevin they Hurt, do, yeah. I think it rivals – you're going to have a battle for coach of the year. Yeah, D'Amico Ryans or Dan Campbell. I agree. That would be uh, – this is certainly the more surprising one. Uh, Dan Campbell, no, no discredit to him, but they've got names on that team, right? Like they've got people who you knew – um, that they that they had on there versus the Texans is all to me outside of like Robert Woods and them. It's like no one knew who Tank Dell was. No yeah. one knew who C.J. Stroud was going to be like. Like it took a lot of unknowns and created names out of them. Right, and as we have mentioned many times, the Lions were favored to win the division at the start of the year by Vegas. This is what they were supposed to do in theory. No one had the Texans making the playoffs or even being close. So uh, you're right. That's that's definitely going to be a good <coughs> good battle there. Uh, I'm taking the Texans, I guess, probably either way, uh, regardless of if it's Stroud able to return or um, I think Case Keenum has been the guy. Or actually, wasn't he benched for Davis Mills last week? Whoever it is, I'm taking Houston. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Texas bandwagon. Cool, cool. Panthers at Jaguars. Uh, we've talked about how Trevor Lawrence is banged up. And the Jaguars have lost four games in a row, hanging on by a thread to the lead in their division. But uh, it's Carolina, so I'll, I'll take Jacksonville to get the win. <laughs> but it's Carolina. That even almost beat Green Bay. Even the Packers beat them, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm pulling for Jacksonville to keep up the uh, the slim lead on this one because if they lose this game, man, it gets interesting real quick again. It does. It does. Yeah. Cause then if either the Colts or Texans win, they would take over the lead in the division and, and whoever doesn't win, it could fall out of the playoffs entirely based on all those other games. Uh, Falcons at bears. I've got next. This is the game where just everyone on all sides is, is playing for their life or coaching for their job <laughs> yeah. on the bears side, Ibraflus and Justin Fields, both of whose futures are in flux uh, based on what decisions get made. This you just put big day. old question marks around this game. Yeah. Uh, then you got Arthur Smith on the other side, who has, as you said, has maybe been getting a little bit better about actually using his players who were drafted to be superstars 
uh, and not being dumb about it. But uh, they've faltered a bit, lost some games they were expected to win, and there have been rumblings that if they don't have a strong end to the season, Smith's job could be on the chopping block. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Bears. I know I've talked a lot of smack about them today by not even putting them on the list of teams in the hunt for the playoffs, but I do think they'll win this game. You're un- you're unbelievable. <laughs> Can you do that? Can you I just be know. like, nah, and better be like, I think you're going to win this game. Okay, well, I don't. I think they're going to win this game. Still saying they're not going to make the playoffs, but okay, uh, I think, okay. I think they'll win this game. Yeah, I think this is the game where the Falcons fall out of the contention here because it does not get easier from here because then they go on to play New Orleans, I believe we said. Yeah, I it was like right. 30 seconds ago, and I don't remember. Well, if I could scroll up six pages to where the, that last part was, um, it's fine. yes. <laughs> At New Orleans, week 17. So, yeah, I think the Bears eke out a very narrow win here. And I think it sends a statement, right? The Bears can make a win and fields can look good. Get one more year. Man, I can't wait to talk about the Bears in their offseason coverage because they're going to have fascinating decisions to make with potentially two, you know, top six, seven picks in the draft. Well, not only that, but the turmoil that's embroiled the team. I mean, wasn't it their defensive coordinator got raided by the FBI or whatever? I forgot about that. Wow, so much has happened this year. But yes, that did happen. (laughs) That was a thing. That was indeed a thing. Um, (laughs) Wow, okay. More to unpack. We should check in on that. Is is he in prison? or What happened to that guy? (laughs) Talk about the final game we have here, the most exciting game. The Thursday night game, the continuation of terrible Thursday night oh, games. This is the perfect game for Thursday night. <laughs> uh, Jets at Browns, the Joe Flacco revenge game. Um, the Jets will be without uh, Zach Wilson again, so it's going to be Trevor Simeon getting the start and Aaron Rodgers for some reason on the active roster, but not even dressed in, <laughs> in uniform. <laughs> Do you realize somebody lost their job on the active roster? I think it was the fullback so that Rodgers could sit there in a hoodie all day and be on the active roster. You know, I just saw a post on Instagram that made that Rodgers supposedly, again, this is all rumor when it's on social media, right? Mm-hmm. That he was absolutely content with just sitting on IR the rest of the year with the with the fact that at one point, you know, the Jets were out of contention. There really was no point for that. There is no point, yeah. So then why Is there they- a point? Why did they do it? There's no point. Would he even play if uh, Simeon got hurt? I don't think he was even in uniform last week, was he? Maybe he was. I don't know. I know he's on the active roster now, um, but there are no plans to play him. It doesn't matter. The whole thing's dumb. Um, Browns are winning the game. Yeah. All right. One more more quick break, and uh, we will come back for the fantasy corner. Now, let's take a trip down to the Fantasy Corner. I'm trying to find out about the Bears' defensive coordinator. Alan Williams, right? Is that his name? How would you know that? I I have a weird memory for things that don't matter. Um, the and Bears denied that there was a raid. He says he left the team. Uh, I can't get any. Uh, what if I type in the word update? Are you on Bing? Because <laughs> that's not you. That's been happened to me before. It did. 
Welcome to the Fantasy Corner. Yeah, there's been nothing new since September. Resigned after, quote, inappropriate conduct, not criminal. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Well, he's never been wrong about anything, so. (laughs) Anyway, Fantasy Corner, yay. We're both in the consolation bracket, so uh, we don't matter anymore. But over in the main bracket, you've got Peter on an absolute tear. Uh, he beat me last week with 134 points, even without he benched his quarterback out of out of uh, respect, I guess, and, and not wanting to embarrass me, which I do appreciate. He should have had 155 that week. And then this past weekend, he took down our number one seed, Nick, with 176 points. That's too uh, many points. 50 of those coming from Amari Cooper, who went absolutely nuclear with Flacco throwing him the ball. Can you imagine if he had, what was it, Amari Cooper? Oh, who was the other guy? Oh, and Kenny Pickens? Oh, oh, George Pickens, yes. Or yeah. George Pickens. Jesus, I'm never going to get that right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right, though. That would be like 100 points right there. <laughs> so, RIP, Nick. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, you've got uh, Brittany, who's put up 147 and 126, um, taking down the other top seed, uh, Jeremy, I think it was, on that side of the bracket. So that's our Shiva Bowl matchup. Uh, should be a great finale to our fantasy season. Early projection, 133 to 126 in Brittany's favor. So we will keep an eye on that with great interest. Meanwhile, in the consolation bracket, for some reason, <laughs> I'm playing Balaji for the second week in a row. <laughs> This time it's for fifth place. Uh, and you are in the seventh place game against Sorio. Good luck. Well, I beat Kevin by 16 points. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I had a great week last week. I put up like 147 or something. Thanks for everybody coming through. And that was with a zero from Cortland Sutton, who got concussed on somehow. I didn't watch the game, but he had zero catches. Uh, and yet he left the game with a concussion. So I do have to say, though, like. I, I felt good, like I have a like it's a six and eight record, maybe seven and eight, but like I'm not the bottom of the pack, which is yeah, always it's, feels good. It's still nice uh, to get a win, even if it's in the consolation round. And right. Neither of us will be finishing last place. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Let me look that up really quick. The last place game is actually uh, my wife against Billy. I'll tell her to make sure to set a lineup this week. Not that we have a last place punishment, but you know what I mean. It's a it's a matter of pride. <laughs> right. Fight to the bitter end. Yep. And speaking of the bitter, speaking of the bitter end, I think that's a good place to wrap up this podcast. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure as always, and uh, we'll check back in after another weekend of craziness uh, to see how it all stands uh, about a week from now very good uh, very good insight to the the postseason predicaments for everybody after this week <laughs> yep we'll talk to you soon bye everybody thank you for listening to the 2m football podcast with matt and mike don't forget to follow us on our social media both twitter and instagram look for our photo at 2m football show If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. 
And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.